are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, God has you, and God has me exactly where he wants us. Whatever the circumstance in life, he has you exactly where he wants you this evening. If you're like me, sometimes in this world of over 7 billion people, it's hard to believe. It's pride, I guess, but I feel so alone at times. And sometimes, not do I feel alone, but I'd like to be alone. Have you ever been that way? You know, one day, if the Lord tarries, my wife will be a widow, and she'll be alone. And somewhere along the line, if the Lord tarries and God chooses to take her first, I'll be a widower and I'll be alone. But my days and my steps are all ordered by God. God knows those things. And so many times when we're alone, we don't like it, so we do what Jonah did. God said, here's where I want you. And Jonah said, I'm not going there. And we run to sin or we run to ourselves. Are we run to our fear? Are we run to our sorrow? And no one's ever had it as bad as me. And life is tough. But friend, God has you where he wants you. No mistakes with God. All my fiery trials, Peter tells me, are filtered through the hand of an almighty God. God knows the end from the beginning, God knows, and I'm so, I, I have that list of widows and widowers in our church, and I pray for you, and I think of how you tuck your bed, yourself in bed alone at night. I admire you. Single parents, you're raising kids. God bless you. I, I, you the devil will tell you something about you're a failure, whatever. i tell you what, I see you as a great hero of the faith. I admire you. I admire you ladies that you come alone, whether through death or your husband left or whatever the case might be, and vice versa, the men as well. I admire the men that are raising children alone. I admire the ladies tonight. You know, in the Bible, we find here that Jacob was left alone. I'll get to the background in a moment. But he wasn't the only one left alone. There's a man that went up to a mountain in Exodus 19. No one was permitted to be there, and he was up there alone, and God showed up. But he was alone, and he had to go. You read Exodus, he goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. That guy, he didn't have to join a gym or anything of that nature. Uh, he was losing weight, I'm certain, but he was alone. Ezekiel. 
in chapter nine, verse eight, was alone and he saw a vision, all the dead bodies around him. You talk about a place of despair. Everyone dead and there he was and he said, I was left alone. I look here at the man by the name of Jeremiah who was in the prison cell and he was left alone in the dungeon, in the hole, in the ground. Uh, there's one, and Jeremiah said in 15, 17, I sat alone. There's one by the name of Isaiah in 49, verse 21, where Isaiah said, I was left alone. You see, you're not the first one to be alone. And when we began to uh, identify and magnify, I'm alone, I'm alone. I'm 23, I wanna get married, and there's no hope in sight, I'm left alone. Then if you're not careful, you're gonna force it and marry wrong. God knows your telephone number. God knows who he has for you. God knows that person's in a Bible college, I'm through Bible college. Well then God knows it's gonna be out of Bible college. Well I'm out of Bible, then God knows. He knows all about it. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He knows about everything. Here these sat alone. I'm reminded of Peter, chapter number 12 of the book of Acts. He sat alone in a jail cell. Now really, he had two guards right by him, but he was alone that night. What did he do? He slept. The next day his head was to be severed, but he was fast asleep. Here's Daniel thrown in the den of lions, and there he was alone, knowing that in the den of lions they're gonna eat him alive. But he had his head propped, and he was sleeping that night, confidence in God. I think about Peter, I think about Paul and Silas in chapter 16, how that that night they were bound in prison, and they had beat, their backs had been beaten, and they were bloodied, and at midnight they sang and praised God from whom all blessings flow alone. God opened those doors and there was a great earthquake and that jailer was ready to kill himself and he said, do thyself no harm. And he realized they're alive and he said, what must I do to be saved? In verse 33, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house as well. He was alone. Job was alone, we're told in several texts in chapter seven and chapter 12, 10 and chapter 13 in the book of Job, alone in life. His wife abandoned him and, and, and made him feel so low and his children were all dead and his, their mates were all dead, 10 and 10. And he lost everything, he lost his health and his dearest friends came and they criticized him. He was alone in life. And they said, I curse the day I was born. Oh, what did God, I died. And he had a, a hard time as he was left alone. There was one called Jesus who went to Gethsemane. It was alone that Jesus suffered. In Gethsemane, alone he drank the bitter cup of deepest woe for me. Of course, and alone, yes, all alone, my Savior died for me. Alone, yes, all alone, from sin to set me free. Without a doubt, this world was sunk in sin and 
shame and misery, the Savior came to do the Father's will alone. You know, tonight I want to talk to you that about this subject about being alone. The story is of Jacob. Jacob's a schemer. Lest I ruin your name, Jacob and Jack are synonymous. And Jacob means con, our schemer. And so Jacob, you and I are con, you would be a good one. And I thought about that name, Jacob. I didn't want to use it, but you don't portray that part of your name. And I hope as Jack or John or Jacob, I hope I would not portray it. But he was a schemer. He stole his brother's birthright. He took advantage of him twice. He schemed, he conned. And the last time when he found the blessing from his dad who was nearly blind and he put the blessing what appeared to be on the wrong person, it was God's choice. Oh, when he found out, he began to wail and to weep and he developed a hatred toward his brother. He wanted to kill Esau, wanted to kill Jacob. Jacob fled from his brother. Now they're more than 25 years apart from one another. 25 years exiled from one another. In those 25 plus years, they amassed wealth. Jacob did it. Esau did. They're both very wealthy. And for the first time in all these years, more than 25 years, they're going to see one another. And the Bible says that uh, Jacob heard about the 400 men that were coming, soldiers coming with his brother. All in his heart he had was fear. They're coming to kill me. He has every right to kill me. I, I, I betrayed my brother twice. I ruined our home. I wrecked our home. And the Bible says in verse 17, when Esau, my brother, meeteth thee and asketh thee, Who, or, or, whose art thou? Whether goest thou, whose art these before thee? Then thou shalt say, they be thy servant Jacob's. It's a present unto my Lord Esau. Behold, he also is behind us. In other words, my brother's coming. Our master's coming. Your brother, he's coming. Jacob's coming. He wanted to send all these little ones and all these presents and all these ahead of time for you to see. Verse 20 says, and say, moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterwards, I will see his face pre-adventure. He'll accept me. And the Bible says in verse 22 that he rose up that night. He took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and he passed over the, the, the four Jabrook. And he took them and he, and he sent them over the brook. And he sent over that he had. Now the family's over there on the other side. And here is Jacob alone, knowing at daybreak, I'm gonna see my brother. He may come to kill me. Last time we parted, he was so angry with me. I haven't seen him in these decades now. And here I am, 
alone. But God knew that that night Jacob had to be alone. God was gonna do something that night that had to be done before he saw his brother. He said, I'm alone in life. I'm just alone, I'm just alone in life. There's nobody. No one cared for my soul. I, I have nobody, I'm alone. And I watch it, people that are alone generally make wrong decisions. But it's when you're alone that God is gonna reveal some things that he cannot reveal amongst the multitudes, amongst the crowd, amongst the activity. You need to be alone. God has you alone. It's a good place. I don't want you to see what God is gonna do. See, first of all, God had to deal with Jacob. You're not prepared, Jacob, to take the next step to see your brother until I deal with you. And notice what takes place that night, verse 24. Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. God wrestled with him that night when he saw that he prevailed not against him. Oh, you cannot prevail against God, ladies and gentlemen, neither can I. You cannot prevail against God. And he saw he could not prevail. He touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. He wrestled with him. He said, let me go, for the day breaketh. He said, I'll not let thee go except thou bless me. God had a deal with Jacob. May I ask you a question? When was the last time God dealt with you? Not necessarily what we think, oh, is in judgment, I've done so bad. No, when was the last time God was trying to get you ready for the next step, the next big event? But friend, when you go to the next event and you go to the next step, it's not always easy. God hath not promised skies always blue, flowers through pathway all of our lives through, God hath not promised sun without rain and joy without sorrow and peace without pain, but God has promised strength for the day. You say, I'm so alone. Well, who knows what God's doing? God's doing something on that other side of the river. If you're left alone, I don't know what God's doing, but God's doing something. God had to deal with Jacob. Secondly, and this is all an introduction, but don't worry, it's not a long message. By way of introduction, Jacob had to confront Jacob. Not only did God have to deal with Jacob, but Jacob had to deal with Jacob. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 27. And he said unto him, what is thy name? You see, Jacob was always known as Jacob. He was known as the schemer. He was known as the con artist. And God says to him, what's your name? And finally, after wrestling with God, he just said one word, Jacob. I'm Jacob. I know who I am. May I stop and ask you this? And I ask myself, do you know who you are? You get so depressed or you get so moody or you get so angry or you get so, do you know who you are? 
you know what the root is? And you're blaming some other person and you're blaming uh, Christianity or you're blaming the church or you're blaming the pastor. I hope before I die, I can have a pastor so I can blame everything on him. I can't wait. I want to say that Jacob had to come to the end of himself. Jacob had to deal with Jacob. Who are you? I'm the con artist. Who are you? I'm the schemer. Who are you? I'm the narcissist. Who are you? I'm the one that manipulates everyone and everything. Who are you? You're going to have to answer that question, and so do I. On this side, left alone, God had to deal with Jacob. On this side, before the victory, Jacob had to deal with Jacob. What does God want you to deal with with your own life tonight? And I ask myself the same question. We're not home yet. We're not yet arrived. I have so many rough edges that God is going to always constantly show to me and deal with me and say, now, Jack, deal with this. Jack, I want you to take care of this. And then I want you to see thirdly, by way of introduction, you must recognize that it is God that's dealing with you. Look what he says in verse number 30. And Jacob called the place Peniel. What does Peniel mean? It means the face of God. I met with God. I met with God. If you're like me, sometimes in my Bible time and prayer time, I'd have to say sometimes, though I went through the Ritual, and I tried to get something. It doesn't seem like I really met with God and allowed God to meet with me. Oh, but vast majority of times, God meets with me, and He walks with me, and He talks with me. I met God in the morning. My sister wrote this poem in a Bible she gave me when I went off to Bible college, and she said, "Jack and." Then she said this, I met God in the morning when the day was at its best and his presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long his presence lingered and all day long he stayed with me and we sailed in perfect calmness or a very troubled sea. Other ships were torn and battered and other ships were sore distressed, and the winds that seemed to drive them brought to me a peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mine when I too had left the, left the moorings with the secret learned left behind. I, I think I've learned the secret, learned by many a troubled way. You must meet him in the morning to walk with him through the day. Oh, ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? When you get up tomorrow, dear people of God, you're so busy. Three o'clock comes in the morning and around here, people start stirring at three and 3.15 and 3.30 and by four o'clock, most of you are 
turning and getting ready to get, and no one's probably still in bed by five adults. It things are moving around here already. How in the world do you have time to walk with God and meet God? I know you're so busy. You have to get to the airport. You've got to get through the TSA. You have to get to the train. You have to get to the trolley. You have to get to the BART. You have to get to this city or that city. And it's such a busy life worldwide. But he had this opportunity while he was left alone. No one there, no family. God revealed himself to him. I can think of days in that attic of that widow woman in Platteville, Wisconsin, when I stayed in that, that widow's house 50 years ago and opening up a church building. And in that attic, God met with me when I was alone. Then I think how we'll live in that attic in that youth pastor's house, Great Berean Baptist Church. And I had this room and I had this room, two rooms up in that attic, hot up there in those hot Midwest summer days. And I can tell you this until midnight hour when I could not sleep as a young boy, young man in the ministry, God would meet with me. I could tell you as I go to the markers where your loved ones have been laid to rest around here and I've had their services and I walk out there and I begin to just spend time and pray and stop by their markers. God's met with me many times in the cemetery. God's met with me. I get on that bicycle right out to the salt flats, not to be athletic, but just casually right out there and I sing and I pray and I spend time with God Oh, this church has been so good to me. You built me a study in the early morning hours and sometimes late hours. Oh, God got a hold of me last week. It was early in the morning. No one's here. I was singing, having a time. God got over me that morning, and I began to sing and fellowship with God, and he was so real to me. God showed up. When was the last time you saw the face of God? When was the last time God met with you? I find that God had to deal with Jacob and Jacob had to deal with Jacob and Jacob had to realize that God was in this thing. Jacob was alone. Which like you, this seems like the worst moment. But he began to realize that the worst moment he thought was gonna become the best moment. His life is gonna pivot from this because God finally got his heart. Through fear, through sorrow, through conniving, through his own failure, I know that. But I tell you what, we've all failed. Would you let God and allow God to get a hold of your life? Now my message, and I'll be done very shortly. He's gonna meet his brother. The chapter 33 really deals with him meeting his brother. I guess I should give you one last reminder before I get there. God gave him a permanent reminder that he met with them. Verse 25 of chapter 32 and verse 31 and 32, he gave him a halt in a step, and I'm not making fun of the way a person walks. 
but his hip was out of joint. And the remainder of his life, he had a memory that God dealt with me when I was alone. I was looking at these hands. The year John F. Kennedy was killed and assassinated, I reached into my locker and that lead right there has been there since 1963. I think it's just probably stained, but it's been there all those years. In 1956, I'm carrying a glass jar and I turned around and I fell over a little tractor that you ride and I kept the jar and those scars reveal that. In 1967, I was at work and I sliced my hand. You could see the scar. Those are reminders. And may I say, God puts reminders in our life when we're alone that I'm still gonna use you. I'm still gonna bless you. Jacob's now at this point alone. And I want to suggest several thoughts in the word to be done in a few moments. One, this was God's divine appointment. He had more planned for Jacob, but he had to go to this test alone. When you're alone, don't complain, don't gripe, don't become the victim. When you're alone and recognize that God planned this, God knew this. It's difficult to say it when you're alone, but enjoy it, accept it, embrace it, remember it. This is God's divine appointment. Secondly, discover God's peace and his presence in the midnight hour when you're all alone. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place. When you're alone, and when you see, you feel like no one cares, no one understands, no one's there. But there's someone who will never leave you nor forsake you. I'd say third, not only is this God's divine appointment, not only can you experience when you're alone God's peace and his presence, but I want to remind you, in some cases we're alone and it's our own fault. Well, if you're so alone in life, well, there are seven billion people around you. Maybe you need to do something about it. Maybe we ought to look all around and find someone in need. Well, I don't have any friends. Well, I went out to find some friends and I could not find one there, but I went out to be a friend and I found them everywhere. Brother and Mrs. Johnson filled in at the rest home this morning. That's not an easy ministry. You have to have a special gift. 
And I saw that he texted my wife, or maybe when do you text my wife? My wife read it to me, so positive. And I saw Brother Eric, I said, thank you. He goes, we loved it. We loved it. Yeah, who wants to do the nursing home facility ministry? Well, nobody cares for me. Well, there's some people that cared for people that many of them are bedridden. They're people. You say, well, I'm so lonely in life. Well, then go get some clearance to go to the juvenile hall and visit boys and girls in juvenile hall. I want to say there are seven billion people. And then number four, and I'll be done. Recognize some people in life envy you because you get to be alone. There are some men that are married to a crankcase. And there are some women that are married to a double crankcase. You're alone. He'll show up. Was it Fanny Crosby wrote on page number 273? I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder roll. Then the chorus, no, never alone, oh no, never alone. He promised never to leave me. He claimed me for his home. You're not alone. I never walk alone. I have a Savior who walks beside me everywhere I go. So you're alone tonight. And quite frankly, I do hurt for many folks that are alone. I never want to make fun of it or light of it. You're going through a, a test and a pressure that's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And it may leave you with a permanent scar. I think of Brother Ed and Norma Bordell. There, she's probably here tonight somewhere. And I was there when their 15-year-old boy at Stanford passed away with cancer. And you know an event like that permanently, permanently affects your life. You see it from 1963, and this is nothing compared to what they've gone through. So you can live your life and boast of the fact that you're the only one that's had some sorrow like this. I go and I stop out to Edward's marker. Orange was his favorite color. I see that orange shirt. And I see a, what he had in Mark. He said, Pastor, he told me one, one morning, he said, I went to go see him. Lived across the street in those apartments when they came home from the mission field to take cancer treatments. He said, I want this verse. I'll never forget it. It was morning time. He said, I want this verse on my marker. I said, what is it, Edward? He goes, Nahum 1-7. A 15-year-old boy telling me Nahum 1-7. I looked at him and said, what is Nahum 1-7? 
That's a powerful verse. And I'll never forget that day he read me Nahum 1, 7. Brother, sister, Skirty, we remember Jeremiah. That night he passed away five years of age, your precious grandson, April the 2nd. Life is permanently, there's a, there's a permanent hole. Brother Flood, I remember little Jacob, my wife and I saw him and Renee. Such a beautiful little guy. God chose to take him. I don't understand things like that. Your dad that walked out, I remember when he did. Your mother, I remember when she did. Your husband, I remember when he left. Your wife, when she left. I remember when your husband passed away and your wife passed away. I'm not making light of the ache and the hurt. You'll forgive me. I've just kept telling everybody one of the thrills of my life last week was stopping to see you, Sister Julie. Her husband's been gone, one of my good deacons, 19 years now. It's hard to believe. It's hard for Julie. She's here tonight. She played the piano at the nursing home. Brother Eric told me about it again this morning, this evening. What a privilege it was for them. Joel was such a good guy. Just such a good person. Funny guy. Worked at O'Connor Hospital. Julie's been alone 19 years. My heart aches. But she gets herself to the house of God. And every morning we talk, she prays for my wife and I and at night as well. She's alone. But she knows someone that lives with her called God Almighty. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.